General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We're here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, President of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. We have an exciting episode of the podcast to share with you today. It is a conversation between two generations of leaders about life and ministry. We hope to make this kind of conversation a regular feature on each season of Doing Together. In this particular episode, we have a conversation between Brandon Tanksley and Bob Comer. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Doing Together podcast. Uh, My name is Brandon Tanksley, and I get to be the uh, location pastor up in Gainesville, Missouri for Real Life Church. Um, Real Life Church is um, originally located down in Mountain Home, Arkansas. Um, my wife and I, Whitney, we came and helped plant the second location up in Gainesville for Real Life Church, and it was a true honor and experience that we got to have. Uh, but today I'm actually uh, get the joy of spending some time with a, a near and dear friend, Mr. Bob Comer. Uh, Mr. Bob Comer, he is a church plant advocate and church planner himself. He also sits on a very special board of ours called the Home Missions of the Ozark um, that he takes the lead as the church plant coordinator. Uh, So, Mr. Bob, do you mind uh, telling us just a little bit about yourself and um, maybe a little bit about what you do? Okay, uh, I grew up in a very rural setting, Uh, was called to preach at the ripe old age of 16, Uh, I have no doubt that that's what God was calling me to do. And at youth camp, I accepted that call and preached my first sermon um, in November of my 16th year. Um, A lot of young preachers have trouble finding places to preach. I was fortunate there was a little church about every 10 miles in any direction. And um, there wasn't that many pastors, so often these churches would need preachers one or two Sundays uh, a month. And I had somewhere to go almost every Sunday before I finished my junior year in high school. And so I've been at that a long time. Uh, I am now 71. So you can do your own math. I'm not sure I can count that high. But uh, I've, I've been in this work a long, long time. Uh, my first idea was to pastor churches in that area. And um, the whole idea of being a um, full-time pastor was foreign and, and new to me. And so my idea in going to college was get a degree so I could make a living so I could preach. It's that simple. And um, after a while, God called me into full-time ministry. And at that time, I had worked in the school systems about 13 years. Um, Then 
I went full time into the boot heel at a church called Bethany and uh, met some wonderful people. We had some great success there. And uh, then from that, I went into church planning. We will probably talk about my calling church planning a little later. But I've been involved in that. I went to Nixon, Missouri to start a church in 1991. And uh, I am now retired from that as pastor, uh, but still a part of that church. And so it's it's been quite a ride, but it's been a good one. Well, that is an awesome story to get to hear. Um, pretty crazy that uh, you, you planted your church uh, two years before I was born. <laughs> Don't want to date you by any means, but uh, that is uh, pretty interesting to think of. Yeah, that makes me really old, but that's all right. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I myself, um, Brandon here, I, I grew up in the Boot Hill, actually myself, um, in a town called Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Uh, then uh, my wife and I, we we actually both went to school over in Murray State, um, Kentucky, over in Murray, Kentucky, uh, where I got a degree in agriculture. My my road to ministry is a a little a little bit more rocky compared to Mr. Bob's. I uh, I I went into agriculture thinking that was what everybody in my family had always done. Um, I got a degree in agriculture science where I left college and pursued a career as a seed salesman. And um, just through some different things, um, wound up um, understanding that I was not called to that, and God had a greater calling on my life. Um, through our, our, our local church that we had gotten plugged into, I can remember I never understood what people meant by the moment that they knew that they were called until I had my moment. Um, I was at um, National Youth Conference in Carlinville, Illinois. Um, we had gone as some chaperones on a, a trip with our youth group uh, from our church. And I can remember what the pastor spoke on that night was that ordinary obedience leads to extraordinary opportunities. And I had just started um, not about but about six months before the job that I had always wanted. And I was like, God, I cannot go home and tell my wife that I'm going to quit another job. And so I kind of ran from it yet again. And so a month later, due to some restructuring in our company, uh, I was let go. And, and so unfortunate event turned into um, what God had greater planned for my life and stepped into a full-time role as a youth pastor um, at Liberty Hill Church. Um, in Dexter, Missouri, out in the little uh, wonderful metropolis of Aid, Missouri, <laughs> and um, had a great time there for uh, about three and a half years, uh, where Whitney and I saw some phenomenal growth happen within ourselves. We got to learn really about what being called into ministry was and what it meant, what it meant to lead other people, and then lastly, what it meant to grow a ministry. And so, through that, it kind of birthed a little bit of what brought us here was a, a desire to learn what what really church planning looks like. Um, I know my wife and I, myself, we had a conversation one day and I said, Whitney, I, I really feel like we're being led to plant a church. And 
Well, the initial response was, we're too young to do that. I think at the time we were about 26 years old, and I knew that that was probably one of the craziest things that I could bring up. Um, and But I, I knew that we had this burden. I had a burden on my heart for, for seeing the church advance in places where it's not, um, seeing people reached that aren't being reached, and, and, and just advancing the kingdom uh, where where it needs to be, where where people aren't being reached how they should, and so we uh, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and um, we it was about a year into the um, into our kind of journey of understanding that God had us in a transitional period, and Pastor Vince down here at Mountain Home called us up out of the blue. And he said, you know, we're wanting to plan a second location. Is this something that would be interesting um, to you? And so immediately I was like, oh, my goodness, this might be an answer of prayers. And so we prayed on it for a little bit and, and then obviously accepted the call to come here. And um, when when we uh, when we got here, it was one of those things we came and looked. We had not spent any time over in this area of the Ozarks. And we got here and we knew immediately that this was our mission field. And so kind of going to take that right into um, the question of how, how did you know that you were called um, to plant a church? I have experienced basically three different times that God called me specifically into something different. Uh, I mentioned that my only vision of being a pastor was what I had seen growing up. Well, then there was a point at which God laid a clear calling on me. Uh, I was talking to an old pastor named John Haskins, and John said to me one time, have you ever thought about going into full-time ministry? And I said, oh, John, that's, that's not for me. And John, in his simple way, looked at me, turned his head sideways and said, well, you know, God might have something to say about that. And that's all he said. And it wasn't long after that till I felt a clear calling. And so I left the farm. That was my mother's farm. Uh, we were taking care of several headed cattle. Left a house that I built from native lumber off of that farm and left a pretty good paying job to go into full-time pastorate in the boot heel, did that for about five years, and that was my second calling. The third one, I was at headquarters for some reason. I don't even remember why. And I met Craig Shaw in the hallway, who was over national missions then. Craig said, uh, Bob Comer, I need to talk to you. Talk to me before you leave. So I ducked in his office. I didn't know what it was about. And he said, we are looking for a church planter back over in the neck of woods where you grew up, back over at Nixon, Missouri, to work with a, a REAP group called Home Missions of the Ozarks. Well, interestingly enough, I had served on that REAP board a time or two when I was in that area. So I knew about that. But I didn't know anything about church planting. And my first response to Craig was, you're crazy. That's not me. But the more I prayed, the more I realized, no, this is exactly what God's got for you. And I guess the rest 
It's his truth. <laughs> That's what they say, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, that is, like I said, that is just an amazing, amazing story to get to hear um, from you, your perspective of how you were called. You mentioned the Home Missions of the Ozark Board. Now, that's the same Home Missions of the Ozark Board that you sit on currently, right? Yes. Actually, I am a, somewhat of an employee of that board. Uh, the board is made up of members of associations. In that case, uh, four different associations send members to the board these associations also support that regroup with their finances, and uh, we put together sums of money that is used to plant churches. And uh, their first work, of course, uh, well, their first work was actually work in Monette, Missouri, which took place before my time with them. And then Nixon was their second work there, and um, we, after that, uh, I worked as what's called church planting coordinator. And it's my job to be the go-between between the board and the church plants. And uh, they look a lot to my leadership now uh, as to, you know, who, where are we going to try to support? What are we going to do? Because uh, it, it would amaze you to know how small these four associations are. And yet, working together with national missions and other groups, we've been able to plant several churches over the years, uh, one of which is Mountain Home, where we are today, and we're very, very pleased with that. And, of course, our latest work is working with you all in Gainesville, Missouri. That is that's incredible. I, I know I know for us um, the uh, what the REAP board and what home missions of the Ozark means to us is is so tremendous because without you all, we really would not be where we are today. Um, I know myself and, and my wife and all of our congregation up in Gainesville, um, that is that is couldn't be more true. Um, and you all came to us at a time where we were trying to figure out how we were going to make it happen, what it was going to look like um, in the year of 2020 at that, um, the, the year of the pandemic, if you would. And, and so planting a church in the middle of that had its, had its own um, obstacles, if you would. And, and so obviously we got, to, we got to hop one of those little hurdles um, with some financial help from you all. Um, as you helped us purchase our building um, and and help us re- renovate it and and do all of the different projects that we have have been able to uh, to do so far today and making our church what it is. Um, so I just want to say thank you very much uh, for what you do, um, the experience that you have brought um, to us and to be able to be around uh, myself. I've only been in ministry now for going on six years. And it has been a ride like none other. Um, when I got into ministry, I can remember someone asking me one time, um, do you like what you're doing? Are, are you enjoying? And I said, I said, actually, I'll tell you the truth. I said, it is the best job I've ever had that's not a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, 
I, I can say that clear as day today, um, that it has never once felt like a job. Um, yes, we, we've talked about this before. There's, there's definitely things that, that, are, that are stressors. There's things that are hard. There's things that are tough. But, but the, the call that is on your life to do something like what we do um, as church planners is something far greater than what we can even experience and even, and even, even imagine ourselves. So I know for, for myself, one of the biggest things is when I, when I felt called, if you would, um, to plant a church, um, I never thought I could do it. And so just the encouragement that you have um, brought to, to my life and to, and to what we get to do, um, how we partner together in Gainesville and in the Ozarks, um, it has truly been amazing to get to be a part of that with you all. So thank you very much. Um, uh, I have a couple more questions for Bob today. Um, I wanted to walk through maybe what was, we really want to talk through, maybe have a conversation real quick about what were some differences between um, then church planning back in 1991 and church planning in 2020? Um, and, and so obviously we know lots of years in the middle of that. Um, but what does that look like um, from then compared to now as far as obstacles might go, how you how you got started? Um, you take it away. Well, at that time, um, General Baptist was pushing hard to plant churches, and there were nine reboards. Since then, I, to my knowledge, there's only three that are somewhat active, two pretty active. But and um, what they did was we they would send you to an area, and I was promised um, a living salary. Which, which was was good and appreciated that. But beyond that, I was given a thousand dollars and then someone gave me a no used PA system. And that was it. Um, other than that, it was me and God and a smile. Uh, and uh, that's, that's where we started. And um, we tried various things, and essentially the idea was put together Bible study groups, and then when these groups got large enough, start having a worship service, and that's what we did. We started out in a rental facility, uh, just storefront there in Ipsa, and um, then later we got an opportunity to buy some property. The board was excited about it, ready to go. There was some older, very forward-thinking gentlemen on that board. Cecil Robertson was one, and and uh, there was several others. Uh, I think Joe Gaddy was part of that group, too. And they said, hey, let's buy this property and build a building. And um, I remember telling them, well, guys, I remember from studying, and, and uh, I went to a lot of seminars and was trained as best they could train me in six months' time. And I said, but they tell us that in church planting, at least half of the efforts won't make it. And they all listened to me intently and looked back at me across the table and smiled and said, we know that, we understand that, but this one has to work. And so, 
That's, that's the kind of pressure that we felt. But, you know, God blessed it. And we were able to gather up some groups, and and we started very very small. We started with um, with just few folks, but God continued to bless it. And it wasn't long until uh, we were in the building. Uh, I pretty much know where every board was nailed in that building, uh, and uh, we. We were able to start there, and that was a fantastic day for us to be able to start in that building. Since then, we've built on a worship area that's probably four times that size, and and God has continued to bless over the years. That is truly amazing. Um, just to to hear that, um, just to see how how you all started. What what would what would you say some of maybe a, an obstacle was? What was like your biggest obstacle that you may have faced? My biggest obstacle for me was probably my own impatience mm. because of the pressure that I felt, and and this pressure was not intentionally applied, but it's there. Yep. And um, I told someone church planting. It needs the same slogan as they used to use for, uh, I believe it was a Peace Corps. When they said it's the great, the most, the toughest job you'll ever love, and that's what it was. Um, but um, so often I felt pressure to get this going, to get that going, and I, I've, I've said since then that I'm sure that we specialized in premature births on several things. But uh, that's that part of church planning is knowing when. You know, we, we realize we just got a few years. God understands that he has, is not limited by time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we try to overlap what God's doing, we, we jump too soon and make things more difficult than they might have to be. Mm-hmm. So for me, probably the greatest thing was my own impatience. Mm. That's, that is a, a tough one to learn, uh, <laughs> as, as well as a tough obstacle to face, uh, because I, I know, I, I would say for me, like not necessarily impatience, but maybe the doubt that I have towards myself um, is, is a big one. I know for us, um, planting in 2020 had a lot of obstacles. Um, a, a lot of obstacles came, um, just from, just from the type of year that we faced. Now, uh, where, where our Gainesville location for Real Life Church sits, it sits in a town of less than 800 people, um, with about 11 churches that would consider Gainesville their town. Um, and so, there was a lot of questioning of why we were planting in Gainesville. Why did we see it fit for a location? Why why did it need a new church? Um, so we was I was constantly being faced with that question. Why are you all coming here? Why yes. why why is a new, another church needed and and stressed <clears throat> another church needed? And so I, I I became to to realize why it was that we were needed. And this isn't to to cast any anything wrong on any of the churches that are there because they all are 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 meeting the needs of the people that they meet. Um, we took a look at the demographics, 
And when we when you look at the demographics and see that 80 percent of the population of Ozark County is in the nun category of religious affiliation, that that's what grabs your heart. That's huge. And and if that's not a reason um, to plan a church, then I don't know what is. And, and so there's a lot of times that you see um, church plants in larger cities and suburbs. Um, and it was really neat to see from my perspective, um, I'm a more of a rural person myself. I, I prefer the, the country way of life, if you would. And, and, and so it is something that is really neat to see a new vibrant church reaching a, a community in a whole different way. Um, and so for us, probably one of the biggest obstacles we faced, though, um, beyond maybe just criticism or different things like that, um, was well, it's twofold. One, it would definitely have been the year that it was, uh, the year of the sure. pandemic. Um, you know, everybody's closed off, hard to reach. Um, some churches were still not meeting. And and when, when, when we got boots on the ground um, was the very first part of uh, June, and we launched in October. So we were, we were also confined to a pretty short, um, short period of time from, from the time that we got here to the time that we launched. Um, so that was an obstacle. But I would say number one, and this is what I've told a, a few people, is in church planning, there's a lot of um, temporary um, places that you set up and have church in. And not being able to do that um, was probably one of our harder ones. Now, I get the pressures that in church planning um, that you have when you're set up tear down. I got to be a part of um, a, a, another location of my home church that we had planted in a in a town just south of where we where we lived. Um, we were set up tear down actually in a hotel um, um, in a convention center. And so I remember what it was like tearing down the stuff after service, setting up the day before and, and going in and having service. And so I know that there's pressures and that that is hard. Um, but what you gain from that um, with the people that are with you, the, the volunteers that you get to walk alongside of you, when they get to have a part of, of, of that, of, of building up what the church is and how it can be formed, um, missing out on that, I think we missed a little bit. Um, but then we got to see on the other side um, just how much um, the REAP board over here in Home Missions of the Ozark meant to us because they believed that what we were doing was, uh, one, it was correct, um, or else they wouldn't have, have jumped on board with us. Um, and then um, I kind of got to see what, what it really looks like to build a church, um, there was some property that came up for sale. It was actually an old airplane hangar across from the high school in Gainesville. And uh, I can remember the first day we walked in there with Mr. Bob. We walked in and uh, there, there, one of the bays, uh, there, it was 40-foot sections. And one of the 40-foot sections had nothing but lawn, pulling lawnmowers and um, everything that you could imagine in a garage. Oil all over the place. And, um, and an airplane. And an airplane. An airplane was in one of them. And, and so it was a... Pretty interesting to think that this place could have become a church in about 
eight to nine weeks. And so um, fast forward, um, then we got started on a project. Um, everything went through and we had about seven weeks to renovate what used to be an airplane hangar into our church. And if I say so, I think we did a pretty good job with it. Um, and and uh, it has been a wonderful home for our church uh, to be able to meet in a wonderful location right across from the school. Um, we've been able to partner with the school on different things and um, just being able to show that we, we care for and love the community. Something that has been really awesome for myself is that um, we are starting to gain the recognition that when people need people to serve, they come to our church. And so um, that says something about our, our the people that are with us, our volunteers. Yes. Um, I have never seen a group of people um, so bought into what it is that we're doing in Gainesville. Um, I know right off the bat, it's kind of hard for people because there was a pretty good group of our volunteers that were already attending Mountain Home. And it wasn't, we, we didn't ask anyone to go and, and, and leave Mountain Home to come start Gainesville. Um, but if it was on their heart to do so, then by all means, um, join our launch group and, and, and help us. And so uh, little did I know when I moved here, um, I, I knew I was going to be building a church. I didn't know I was actually going to build a church. <laughs> and having no experience in the building world, the contracting business, um, not only did I learn a, a lot about um, the actual church part of things, but I learned a, lot, learned a ton uh, about how it all is constructed <laughs> and um, what uh, there's a obviously a, a joke for us around here is that um, Brandon learned a lot, um, but he learned a whole lot more about about construction than he did about church planning in the beginning of the process. So um, it, it is like I said, it's been a, an amazing ride. We're about a year and a half um, into our church plant um, so far, and we have uh, kind of busted the 100 mark. Um, so we run around 100 people on, a, on any given Sunday, and our kids' ministry is um, busting out of the seams. So pray for our kids' ministry workers. Yes. They, uh, they need it every day. Um, but it has, it's been so awesome to just to see... Um, either unchurched people or de-churched people where, or maybe they had, uh, what, what we see a lot of the times is it's, it, it is young families that used to go to church with their grandparents and maybe their grandparents have passed away and they just haven't, um, haven't stepped back into church mm -hmm. or they stepped away from church, got married, started a life and there's life came into the mix and took them out of church or it's people that have never been in church at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a town of less than 800 people, there is um, uh, something to be said, one, about everybody knowing everybody. <laughs> and uh, that can be taken good or bad. Um, and, and and so with that, we've really gotten to see some, some people that maybe you would never have thought that you'd see in church step through our doors, um, yeah. which is one of the most amazing things to get to see. Well, there's something about a new church that is more attractive to new people. Uh -huh. um, so often 
I mean, uh, it, and it's not mean, meant to be bad, but especially if a church is a little smaller and you walk in as a visitor, you almost feel like you've crashed a family gathering, you know. <laughs> especially and, in a small town. And, yes, in a small town. So something about a new church is more attractive to new people. It just is. It works that way, and it has. It did for us uh, 30 years ago. It still does today. And that's one of the reasons why church planting is one of the most successful ways to reach new people. Well, that, that is, honestly, I think we both kind of answered one of my questions was, why is church planting so important? Um, one is the reach of people. Mm-hmm. Um, people are important. I read a statistic um, that said in, in 2019, there was something like 4,000 or 3,700 churches that were planted and 4,500 churches that were closed yes. in the same year. Yes. And and so we see we're seeing this rapid decline of churches. Yes. Um, there has to be something following that or else we're not going to exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that is crucial, um, one for people and one for the movement uh, of of our faith to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, I, I, I know me and you both agree that church planning is very important. Um, and, and so that's really kind of the, the whole, the whole picture that was painted was go and go and tell, um, yes. you're being sent, um, type of method. So, well, if you look at the seven churches in Revelation, yes, none of them exist. Exactly. None. And so when we think about it that way, churches do, for some case, in some cases, come and go. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's a big failure. It's that things change within communities and within areas. And uh, as time goes along, to reach new people, we are going to need new churches. And besides the number that you mentioned, but say, well, we don't need new churches. Well, if we're losing more than we're planting, do the math. Yep. It's that simple. Well, well, and, it, and, it's, and it's one of those things where um, you, you, it's the, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. And, and we're, we're actually going to be talking about this in, in one of our upcoming series um, and so I don't want to let the cat too much out of the bag, but, but it's one of those things where, where even, even Jesus said it himself is the harvest is plenty, mm-hmm. but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's one of those things where, and, and I think that's where the burden of church planning comes from yes. is, is the fact that the workers are few and, and we feel the burden to do it. And, and to go be those workers to cultivate new soil and new growth um, so that so that people that have not heard or people that are are away can come back. And and, and so um, I, that's really kind of the heart uh, of church planning in itself. I, I know um, it's really the, the base form of, of how the church began. Even yes. um, one of the things that we always say is that the mission stays the same, but the method can change. Yes. Um, and, and, and I think that's just being um, 
relatable and being fluid throughout time. Like you said, um, communities change, cultures change. And if the church isn't changing, then we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, what is... And so often um, the way that we put forth the message and the way that it can be seen, um, I mean, we do next a General Baptist on Facebook and we've been doing it for some time now. And um, it's incredible how many people get started and check in. And so one of the things, and and I used to work in uh, education as a principal in the last nine years, and I can't count to you how many problems we had because of Facebook. I often told people I thought it was just two four-letter words jammed together. And, and so uh, it seemed a problem. But for the church, it could be a tremendous outreach. And there will be people in heaven because of the Internet and because of what we're doing that way. And so is that the answer? No. We still need the local church to That's put exactly forth right. the message. That's exactly and right. And so as we grow and develop, we have to be alert and open to the newer things. Paul said, I've been all things to all people so I can win some. That's exactly and right. And that is who we are called to be. And that's, that, that is crucial. Yes. Um, that is that is 100% crucial. Uh, so what is, what is something that you learned through church planning? Oh, my. <laughs> Loaded question, right? <laughs> uh, well, I mentioned patience early on. I've had to learn patience. Uh, I've also learned that it is God's work, not mine, and mm-hmm. I have to face it and see it that way. Uh, people and ideas and things come and go. And it's God's work, and God takes care of that. And um, probably one of the greatest things I've learned in church planting is that there are a lot of right ways to worship God. (laughs) That is exactly right. I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, We... uh, I've obviously learned a ton um, over... uh, Pastor Vince and I, we kind of joke and laugh about the fact that I've gotten the fire hose uh, treatment uh, of learning what church planning is Um, because we moved here at the end of May, first part of June. Um, June 1st was uh, my actual start date, and we planted, um, let's say, three months later, um, (laughs) four months later, um, October 4th. And so uh, it, it was definitely something crucial. And I don't think I had it all learned when we launched. Um, I can tell you I haven't because I am still learning um, day to day um, that, one, I love what you said about it being God's work um, and that people change, things change. That, But at the bottom line, it's God's work and it's it's God's will that we get to see see through. Um, yes. For me, something that I, I had to learn as a young leader, a young pastor, um, is that I can't do everything on my own. Um, and, and even when I try to, I can't. (laughs) So, um, the, the 
the amount of the volunteers that we have surrounded us, um, some families that have have really came alongside our family and have brought us in like family, um, really were were crucial to us. So relationships, what what do relationships actually mean? Is something that I I learned so much of um, early on when we moved here. Uh, moving away from family, um, the the easy way of life. Uh, if you need a babysitter, you call someone up and they come. Uh, you don't have that that easy when you move away. And so got to learn really what relationships mean. Um, and then um, as far as pastoring goes, this is this was my first time stepping in as a as a Sunday morning pastor, um, preaching every Sunday morning. Um, it's been a year and a half and I've only had one Sunday off. And so that in itself has taught me a lot. Like I never understood um, what it actually meant to have rest and why pastors needed rest until now I've been sitting in the seat. And so um, pastors out there, I don't say that lightheartedly, please um, be sure to be getting your rest. Um, be sure to be getting recharged any way possible, um, because that is that is crucial to, to, to continuing um, furthering the kingdom of God um, so that so that you can finish strong um, and not not be weak when it comes to the to the game time um, opportunity in, in those moments. Yeah. And so I uh, that is something that I've learned just over the last year and a half is that I have to take. I have to take that time. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was so foreign to me um, before is like, you know, I, if this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to trudge through and, and get the job done. But I realized, one, I can't do it alone, um, that I've got to have people and I've got to have. I've got to have those moments of rest. Yes, um, and prayer support. Big time. Prayer support is so important in a church that's been there for 70, 80, even 50 years. There is a network of prayers. Yes. Prayers have been prayed for the church for many years, and prayers don't die. They're still there. That support is there. But when you go out brand new in a place— that support isn't there unless you reach out and organize it. That's correct. And it's so important. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Um, we would start trying to get acquainted by going door to door, which you know how successful that would be now. But <laughs> that's what we did, knock on doors and telling you we're doing a survey and and so on and, have, and ask some questions. And um, I had gotten pretty, pretty good at that until I had a guy who met me at the front door with a hatchet in his hand. And uh, I realized as I waddled my way back to the car after that <laughs> one that I need prayer support. Yes. And uh, we need to understand the importance of praying for these new churches, that, that they have a network of people underneath holding them up in prayer. We pray for our children. We pray for our grandchildren. Hey, let's pray for our young churches. 
Well, we uh, and I tell you, as a as a young church, we appreciate that um, because it wouldn't be possible without the help from people and the help from the prayers that they send to us. So thank you so very much. Uh, before we go, um, a little lighthearted question: What was what might be one of the funniest things that you can remember uh, during your church plant? Well, it's funny now. At the time, it wasn't <laughs> funny at all. I was all excited in the beginning, and this gives you an insight into church planting. I had gone door to door, and I had talked to people that were going to be starting a new church in town, and he thought, would you be interested in meeting to learn more about that? And I had 60-some people, 60-some families who had said, yes, we, we'd like to be at a meeting. So I rented a meeting hall. I rented it at Senior Citizen Center, which was mistake number one, but I did it anyway. It's all there was in Nick's at that time. I had people lined up for child care. I had the food all prepared. I had everything ready, and, and uh, nobody came. Oh. Nobody came. So like I say, when I look back now, that's really kind of funny because I can see some things. At the time, it wasn't funny at all. So <laughs> that, that is there. There are, there are things that we learn the hard way. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, I, I guess one of my funniest moments is uh, probably going to be a little knock on myself about how little I knew about building. Um, I can remember we were in the process of building the church and um, we were putting up the very first wall inside the building. We had gotten the building um, deconstructed and we had had it all cleaned out and power washed everything, the walls, the floors, um, scraped off the the bird's nests and and all of the good stuff that goes along with that. Um, and we were putting up the very first wall. And I can remember uh, Pastor Vince and Pastor Aaron, they were up on the lift and I was in charge of cutting them the boards um, as it went up to the peak of the of the building. And, you know, they would they would shout down what um, angle it needed to be on, um, how long it needed to be um, on one side. And we got to the other side and we were coming down the angle, down the slope of the roof. And I said, or they, they shouted down how long the board needs to be. And I start trying to take apart the saw <laughs> and, and I'm taking apart the saw, trying to flip around the, uh, the angle that it's cutting at. And Pastor Vince goes, just turn the board over. Um, so <laughs> I, I quickly got a, uh, an, an understanding that I did not know much about, um, actual building until that. And and so that's just been one little funny thing that has stuck. Um, obviously, there's been wonderful moments, baptisms, salvations that probably Absolutely. both of us um, can, can think of the people's faces. We know the names. Uh, we know the families that are within our church. And so that is that's something that has been um, just so powerful to me is just to to get to experience life with people, yes. um, the good times and the bad times. But 
Um, again, I just want to say thank you for, for being here today. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up um, this session of the Doing Together podcast. Uh, but before we go, I want to say thank you. Um, thank you for what you do. Um, thank you for what you do for our church, for what you do for Nixa General Baptist Church, for what you do for Home Missions of the Ozarks, and also what you do for General Baptist. Um, a lot of the things that we see and that we get to be a part of now um, have had your hands on it at some point in time. Um, so thank you for sitting down with me today and, and just walking through what are some of the differences and, and things that how church planning has changed from then to now. Well, I appreciate that very much, and I I would like to be able to say, boy, God showed me all this stuff, but that's not that way. I remember uh, reading in the scriptures where one of the old prophets told the new King's Hall he had just been changed by the Spirit of God, and the old prophet told him, Whatever your hands find to do, do it. God's with you. And that's how my life has been. God has opened doors and has told me ways and things as we went along. And many of them I could have done better. But uh, many of them I look back and say, wow, God, you did that anyway. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of the journey that I've got travel this way, get to work with uh, young men like you, and to get to work with people, just to see God changing lives. Oh, that's the best that's, part. That's absolutely the most exciting thing that there is. I would like to say that working with reap groups, if someone here sits and would like to know more about that, all they'd have to do is contact, uh, well, they could contact headquarters or Brandon or Vince or uh, myself, um, and I would be glad to come anywhere, sit down with a group of people and talk about how read groups can come about because I do believe it's a way that individual associations and churches can become a part of church planning on the ground level. And it, it is a blessing uh, like you just won't find anywhere else. Well, like I said, um, getting to stand on, on this side of it and seeing that I can totally see that that, that is what your life has always been about. Um, and it is definitely a um, a, a wonderful thing for me to just get to see that, to get to soak it in and, um, and get to see what, well, maybe someday, um, I can get to be, um, <laughs> if, if God so chooses. So, um, again, I just want to say thank you all for tuning in with us on the doing together podcast. Um, if anybody is interested about church in church planning or reap boards, um, please be sure to reach out to either your pastors, um, your associations, of course, headquarters, um, but then also you can go directly to our national missions director, uh, Vince Daniel. Um, thank you. I hope you all of you all have a great and blessed day. I want to thank Brandon and Bob for taking some time to share with us and to sharing with one another. Across generations, we have the opportunity to learn from each other, to be encouraged by each other. The church is stronger when we have folks who've been around the ministry block several times pouring into the lives of those that are relatively new in ministry. We're also stronger when those who are younger add their energy and optimism 
and they value and honor those that paved the way before them. So I want to say again, thank you to Brandon and Bob for reflecting that in this conversation. If you haven't already done so, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you're using to access our content and leave us a review. I also want to ask you to talk about the podcast with those that are around you, with people in your church. Encourage them to listen. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode of Doing Together. Together.